I am a Democrat and I am very much pro-life. These are not simple questions because these are not simple decisions. Growing up, my mother was, when she was pregnant with me, she was advised by her doctors that if she were to carry me full term and give birth, she would compromise her heart. And so they recommended that she not have me. My mother made the difficult decision and the best decision of her life, of course, to have me. She did get pregnant after me and she was faced with a life and death situation. And after having a conversation with my father, they both concluded that he could not raise four children alone on his own. And that she, even though she was wanted to um, sacrifice her own life, the decision was to choose her family. And so my mother had an abortion after me. Every year, I watched her be depressed at some point when the due date of the child that would have come after me was um, present and every year we noticed it but eventually I asked her about it and she told me this was would have been the due date of your brother so while I am a pro-life democrat I 100% believe that that is a conversation for a woman to have with her family, her doctor, and her God. I guess my last comment is that, of course, I think all people wish that abortions, there were fewer abortions. I don't know who would be excited for abortions, but I would also note that um, abortions are down under Democratic leadership, and that's not by coincidence. It's because Democrats typically focus on access to health care and educating people about their bodies and so if you are if you want fewer abortions that is something that you should consider and ultimately it's just a bigger conversation than it's it's not black and white and I'm living proof of that um, it's not black and white it is every decision to to bring life into the world is a personal decision My mother's life was very complicated on both sides of it. She did end up having a heart attack um, because her heart was compromised by her decision to have me. Of course, that was many years later. And of course, I live and breathe daily believing that she feels like she made the right decision for her. But it was certainly her decision to make. I was at this um, secret music festival this weekend. Don't tell Toby Barker. Anyway, I had to, we had this, Hannah and I had this uh, friend of mine come up and he was like, y'all, uh, y'all how like wolves. And I said, oh, you noticed. He's like, yeah. And then he walked away. Nice. It was great. 
We um I didn't even know good. I didn't even know I had a, I didn't think he knew I had a podcast and maybe he we, saw the Instagram post, I don't know. Oh, that's possible. We could just go with believing he's an avid listener. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. What's up, man? You know who you are if you're listening. JTT. I'm not, I'm not gonna say your name. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. David was at, David was at the music festival at the Waffle House. That's true. He turned around from flipping those waffles. It's like, hey, man. <laughs> yeah, we were in this. I heard that episode. We were at, the, um, so like the Elks Lodge in Hattiesburg apparently owns land, and there's like a music thing out there. Like there's a big stage and like a lot of room. And so there was, there's probably like 100 people there, but they were all spread out which is pretty cool. So like we were 25 feet from the nearest person where we were sitting with our lawn chairs and we had a lot of fun. It was really nice. I miss live music. I miss it. I miss it so bad. So. Okay. David, you went to a lot of movies too, right? Do you miss those? Like going to a movie theater and the whole experience? Yeah, I actually, when I was staying over in Jackson, I guess it was two weeks ago, I went to a movie theater by myself and I was the only person in the theater and nice. it was kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, I saw that new Christopher Nolan movie. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm assuming it was a Batman. Yeah. It's the new Batman. For some reason in that my head, that's the only movie no, he's called, ever made. It's called Tenet. Y'all have seen like oh. a trailer for it, right? I know it exists. Yeah. yeah. It is it is really interesting. Let me guess but who the very, landlord very was. Confusing movie. What? Let me guess who the landlord was. Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah, it's a really crazy reveal that we're it's not a weird, supposed weird to talk crossover. about. But yeah, it's like in the um, Split movie where it was like, oh yeah, by the way, we're doing a throwback to the other movies that we did before, just kind of out of nowhere. Like, hey, I know you had no reason to think this was connected to another movie I made. But uh, in the last... That, is that the James McAvoy movie? Yeah, in like the oh, last okay, four yeah. minutes, I'm going to let you know that this is connected to um, Bruce Willis. A movie that I made nice. like 20 years ago or something. Right. <laughs> M. Night Sham Sham? Sure. Yeah. I'm familiar. Brad, do you have oh, anything man. to say? Or uh, are you just chilling? So I have... The, lately just been lazy and not been shaving my head and like you know letting letting my beard grow and stuff and i had gotten to the point where wait hold on real quick point, i feel starts, like i've definitely been called out for being lazy because i never do either of those things no but, that's but a personal choice for Whatever. you man but for me <laughs> for me you have if i had that much hair i wouldn't sh- i wouldn't i do have a lot of hair, hair either but so I so I was letting it kind of go, and the thing about it is that it it dries my face out at some point, and yeah. so eventually I just get sick of of that, and I I decide to shave it. So today was the day. Well, what was interesting is I hadn't really done that since we got Crosby, and so when I came out of the bathroom, she stood there and she heard me talking, so she recognized my voice, but the. It was it was kind of funny to see her face because she wasn't putting together how how that voice was coming out of that person yeah. for a while, 
And then eventually she kind of caught on, but it took it took a second for her to like recognize me. That yeah. was the first time that had happened. So My dad had a fun. beard when I was a baby, and then he shaved it, and I was furious. Yeah? Yeah, I've been disappointed with him ever since. Nice. Well, fellas, I did feel like a man today. Oh. Yeah. So, obviously, I didn't get to record with you guys on the last episode because we didn't have any electricity. And all that ice storm tore down a bunch of trees and all kinds of stuff. So, it kind of looked like a tornado came through without taking out houses, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, they're, they're still cleaning all that up. And I had had an old tree in my front yard that I had cut down a while ago, but it was still a stump and I was getting tired of seeing the stump. And so because of that, my dad was over here yesterday and he was like, well, why don't you just stick some diesel fuel on it and let it kind of burn out over the course, right? Which is great Yeah. when you're in the country Yeah. and oh, no. nobody really cares. I'm in the city and I did it. And I was just waiting on the police to show up, basically, was what, what what the night ended up. Long story short, it worked, and uh, this, today I still had little parts left, and so I beat the crap out of it and tore the, tore the rest of that stump out. So I felt like a man today. I ripped a tree out of the ground and burned it uh, last night, so it's very I just aggressive. wanted to give myself a little no, not-so-humble brag. Yeah, I would say that you are looking a little bit like James McAvoy's character from that Split movie. Isn't that the one where he turns? In, can he turn into a beast or something? He like has multiple personalities. Yeah, yeah. his something uh, like that. It's kind of like it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird. But movie. his body though, he got like he super, did have one super buff for that role, and I could totally tell that Brad is like. I mean, Brad, you're looking. You're looking like you tore a tree out of the ground today. That's all I'm saying. Am I? Oh, yeah. Thank you. You've got it. I was looking better with the beard and all that, but I, after I tore the tree down, I decided that I was feeling a little too manly, so I needed to shave the beard just to get back down to earth. So that I feel like every time you're going to shave your beard, you need to earn it by tearing something out of the ground. That should yes. be a rule from now on. Brad, you don't have That's to accept tough... that rule. Just ignore it. <laughs> shh, 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 everyone, everyone, this is our reality. This yeah, we is can what make rules. We can just make rules, right? Of course, we can. Yeah. Let's get into a. There you go. Let's get into a something uplifting. Yeah, something uplifting. Um, today's topic. <laughs> I'm feeling yeah, like so there's probably only one way to do that, David. I hope it's uh, calling Philip Jackson for a song right now. <laughs> And James is are you thinking about no, it's a little Dude, late. Dude, he may be unavailable. He was at the he was at the SpaceX launch yesterday. Oh was oh. he? So he may be unavailable. That's where he was. Yeah. That's where he was. That's really cool. Which makes sense because you know he ran the campaign for Bridenstine, which is now the leader of NASA. And so ah. I guess him and all his family was down there. That's pretty cool. That is really cool. Are you gonna call somebody else and make them do it? I'm definitely not going to sing a song about today's topic. I know that. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not happening. Um, yeah. Yeah, we were talking before we started recording, but I am uh, of the three of us. I think I'm I'm the one that is maybe a little uh, a little nervous about today's topic. 
even though yeah. we're we're trying to do our best to kind of find the common ground between uh, pro-life and pro-choice camps it's uh especially after this election like it's such a divisive nation right now like it or divided nation it's we just want to bring some hope some common ground into the internet world and uh i'm hoping that's what we get to do today so let's hope so yeah so here's a here's a little bit of a background about what's going on i kind of explained this a little bit in the episode that we did with kyler but essentially we decided we want to do a little bit of a series on conversation. So the first episode was with Kyler where you guys talked about having conversations. And then we decided that we wanted to try to take some topics that were a little bit controversial or a lot controversial. And normally in everyday conversation can get testy, can get, can go off the rails and try to see if we could have a conversation about this topic uh, in what I would say is a healthy way to have this conversation. So that's kind of the thinking behind it. And uh, so as David alluded to, today's topic is abortion. Uh, yeah, so James, go ahead and uh, take it away. Okay, so I've been looking to abortion, reading articles, watching videos, um, doing some level of research, Um you know, as far as doing those things is, you know, doing my own research and not just piggybacking off of other people's. Um, and uh, a lot of it's because of knowing that this was a topic that I remember far back in my life being something that was um, a big deal in Christian circles and talked about all the time as Roe v. Wade needs to be overturned because that's the way to make abortion illegal and that has to be done. And the other side was just, we have to protect Roe v. Wade. So abortions can still happen because we believe in women's rights. Um, and that sort of thing. And if and I'll, even in the language, it feels like there's two different topics being talked about. One is the women. One is, um, the fetus baby, whatever your terminology is that, that you land on with it. Um, and it just feels like we've been talking past each other for so long. And so I wanted to actually, um, take some time and ask people who probably wouldn't be able to have the conversation with each other, like what their thoughts are on some of the main points. Um, and it's, it's pretty consistent that um, people don't really want there to be many abortions. Even if you are fully pro-choice, um, there's, there's an, uh, a study done by Notre Dame. Excuse me. Um, and they interviewed um, several hundred people. And they brought people from all different backgrounds and... Um, just wanted to kind of get a broad spectrum feel for um, how people were feeling about abortion. And the way they asked the questions didn't actually use the term abortion and tried to avoid um, hitting anything that would take people into like the trigger them into hot button areas of the subject. Right. So just talking through it openly, 
And uh, after the study, uh, part of the article says, none of the Americans uh, we interviewed talked about abortion as a desirable good. Views ranged in terms of abortion's preference availability, justification, or need, but Americans do not uphold abortion as a happy event or something they want more of. From restricted to ambivalent to permissive, we instead heard about the desire to prevent, reduce, and eliminate potentially difficult or unexpected circumstances that predicate abortion decisions, whether of relationships, failed contraceptives, lack of education, financial hardships, or the like. Even those most supported of abortion's legality nonetheless talk about it as hard, serious, uh, not happy, or benign at best. Uh, stories from those who have had abortions are likewise harrowing, even when the person telling it retains a commitment to abortions availability. So it's the conversation isn't, it really isn't the same in that, um, so often if, if you say anything that makes people feel like you're in support of abortions in under any circumstances, there are things thrown around of like, on judgment day, you're going to have the blood of babies hand on your hands, like that sort of talk. And it's so aggressive in that, but we have a, a consistent agreement that we don't want there to be as many abortions as there are. So how do we actually work towards that goal? Because as it stands, we're fighting different battles where instead we could actually be working together and moving somewhere positive when it comes to all of this. Any thoughts at the moment? So that'll be it for us. Um, <clears throat> Brad, go ahead and just outro everybody else's feedback. <laughs> and uh, that was a really good summary. That was a good. That was good, man. That was a good episode. David wants out already. <laughs> David's like Thanksgiving is in a week. I'm out. <laughs> well, well, here, man. I'll give you. I'll give you some time to think. So, I. This is a topic that, to me, outlies some sort of gray area when everyone seems to talk on the far extreme black or white. And for me, I'll, I'll go ahead and get this out of the way. In some ways, this is one of those topics where it feels like I'm it can sound to some people like I'm on the fence. So I don't want people to get abortions by any stretch of the means. Don't want to see them happen. But yet I'm pro-choice. And we'll, we'll get into that more. But I think that what you're hitting at now is kind of where I've tried to steer conversations that I've gotten into about this. Because most of the time when I have this conversation, it is with someone who would identify as pro-life. And I always try to establish, listen, I'm not advocating for them to happen. I don't want it to happen. But I think right. we need to look into what is happening in that situation that is getting the mom to feel like she needs to have an abortion. I always try to steer the conversation to 
how can we be there for those moms before and how can we be there for those moms after regardless of their decision and try to try to have a conversation about that instead of just the the act of an abortion because we have a right. common ground there so let's we can establish that and move on so right yeah i would so i would jump in this is this is a really uh difficult topic to talk about and the three of us are trying to be as delicate as as possible and we have obviously have people that we love that feel very strongly in both categories um both you know very seriously pro-choice and then we have a lot of people in our lives that are very seriously pro-life in the sense of um anti-abortion period um so i would i would identify as uh somebody in transition (laughs) right now um you know after doing my own research um like it is it is clear to me that this this topic is should be very nuanced and is not black and white in my opinion um and i think that there's probably a lot of people who are pro life that in some circumstances would actually be pro abortion if if different situations kind of lined up to a point where let's say that the baby wasn't viable or if if uh the baby came uh full term then they would be let's say in just i don't know in pain or or in misery for like most of their life um for example or there's the category of like okay well if it's a baby um through sexual assault or through rape like is that a situation where you would want the government deciding whether or not that woman um made the choice or not to 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 basically give birth to that baby and there's arguments obviously on both sides in 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 that regard but like for me and my stances when it comes to like social issues and protecting the rights of of all people um including infants and babies like this specific topic has been more challenging for me because I have personal relationships with people that have had abortions. I have two children of my own. I know exactly what it feels like um, to hear the heartbeat for the first time and to see a 12-week-year-old that's going to be my, I mean, excuse me, 12 weeks into, um, <clears throat> the pregnancy, the pregnancy, like yeah. to become like, that's going to be my boy or girl or whatever, you know? And so, you know, as I have aged and, and read more, it's just realized to me, <clears throat> that's just not, it's not a one size fits all in every situation and so it it becomes very difficult for me to be like oh well i'm 100 percent pro-choice um but i'm i'm definitely not in the camp of like you cannot have an abortion period regardless doesn't matter what happens and i think at the end of the day 
we all, regardless of pro-choice, pro-life, somewhere in the middle, want as, as just a, a reduction in abortions. Like that's what we want. Right. right. So that's that's kind of where I'm going with this. Is that w- the the response of I think it's wrong or I think it's right. Um, personally, I think it should be irrelevant <clears throat> on what your, what your call to action is, because I feel like either way, we both want care for people to happen. And when that happens, it lowers the rate. So, you know, either way, whichever side you're trying to, to support, whether you're saying, um, I want to support a rump, a woman's right to choose. Okay. Well, then we need to make it to where one of those viable choices is the life of a child. And I feel like there's not been a enough of a focus on that part of the choice. It's instead a fight for the choice to be able to abort instead of um, making more effort to fight for a woman's right to actually have a choice in the situation. Whereas if you are pro-life, what has been shown to actually be most beneficial in having abortions be lowered is support of people in crisis pregnancy, crisis pregnancy centers, um, working with contraceptives, um, healthcare, all of that sort of thing. And so either way, our response should be the same. And literally both sides can have some level of their goal achieved um, best is by literally working together on the same things. Um, so with the fact that Roe versus Wade is such a focus of this, instead of a lot of the other discussions, um, I just kind of want to run through some of why um, that's not necessarily a beneficial route. Um, and so part of that is, as one of our questions was, of uh, do you think that the abortion rate was uh, higher or lower pre uh, Roe v. Wade, and it was passed in uh, 1973, if I remember correctly. Um, and with that, um, it kept going up into around the eight, early 80s, 1980 or so, and it has been in a steady decline for the past 40 years almost, um, to the point where uh, during Obama's presidency, we actually passed below the abortion rate of what it was in 1973. And so there's been this steady decline. It's where um, there's some people who've thought, well, yeah, it lowered some over the last few years. It's been a drastic drop to the point where it was, um, there's a, a called the Guttmacher, I guess is how you would say that, Institute. Mm. Um, and... Uh, they, they've been tracking a lot of abortion rates and talking to the CDC and a bunch of different things to, um, to track levels, um, from that. And from, uh, 2011 to 2017, there was a 13% decline in the ratio of abortions. I mean, that's huge. So it's not like slight drops. We've been having pretty drastic drops and typically that's not because of, uh, who's in the White House, which is 
what the fight normally is. We need somebody in the presidency, so then the Supreme Court can try to shut it down, right? Well, since uh, Roe v. Wade was passed, there have been um, 15 justices appointed um, up until, you know, recently. I guess we may have had 16 or whatever. But um, the, the most recent 15 since 1973, 11 were Republicans and only were appointed by Republicans and only four were, were appointed by Democrats. Um, and so the Supreme Court has had a pretty drastic shift or not, not even shift. It's been in control uh, by the, the Republicans for quite a while. And all of them beforehand were putting out um, articles and decisions saying that they thought that Roe versus Wade should be overturned. It was bad, that sort of thing. But every chance they've had to do anything that would detract from Roe v. Wade, they have only upheld it to the point where um, there was a law in Louisiana that when they attempted to pass it, it was struck down because they were going with um, stare decisis. That's how you say it, I'm pretty sure. Um, and in his decision, John Roberts was, uh, he cited that as the reason, which is basically that they should ab abide by their previous rulings. So, the Supreme Court's in no rush to overturn things and have actually shot down, down other rules that also would detract from uh, potential legality of abortion rates. So looking towards presidents isn't going to do it because there's been, as I said, that steady decline. So whether Republican or Democrat, it hasn't mattered. The rate has continued to drop the whole time. And then the Supreme Court has upheld things and said we're going to abide by our previous rulings so there i mean there's no reason to think that they would overturn it right but there's a lot of let's precedent. say they did no doubt so instead let's say it's overturned so all that does is make it to where states get the choice basically yep. so before roe v wade um, it was just a state decision. That's all it did was say states cannot make it illegal for abortions to happen. So now if you instead go to all the most conservative states and see kind of who's going to pass anti-abortion rulings, the distance that you would have to travel to get to a state that uh, probably wouldn't pass it isn't that big of a deal. Um, with bus routes and everything, you can get a bus for, you know, 25, 50 bucks, um, to go cross country pretty much. Um, and so it's not going to limit pretty much anybody except for the poorest of the poor. That's all it's going to do. And so, um, optimistic counts say that it would probably drop abortion rate nationally by about 12%. And part of that's because the places that would make it illegal, already have really low abortion rates like the places with the higher abortion rates they're not going to make it illegal so it's still still just going to happen there um but we have stretches of time where instead of going for national rulings there have been states that have made effort and so um texas is one as a red state um 
from between 2011 and 2014, they passed a series of laws that restricted different levels of abortion. They made, um, made it to where there was like a multi-day waiting period, uh, different things like that. Um, and that lowered the abortion rate by 28%, which is a big deal. Yeah, That's a lot. That's way more than 12. Yeah. Um, and then Delaware, which is a blue state, between 2014 and 2017, they increased access to health care for its poor citizens and <clears throat> excuse me, and several other things. But a, a huge part of it was just making health care and education available. They lowered it by 37%. That's a huge deal. It's like one of the, I think one of the common ground pieces that we can hit on from both the pro-life and pro-choice communities is like, is access to some sort of um, safety net, some sort Mm -hmm. of like support. I can't say safety net because that's going to turn off some people, but some sort of financial support for um, like, I mean, let's be honest, this is affecting the lower socioeconomic status. Mm-hmm. Um, the families, uh, I'm sure, I would assume statistically at a higher level than it does like upper class folks in the sense that um, put yourself, this is really hard because you're listening to three white guys here, but like put yourself in the shoes of a 15-year-old woman let's say a woman of color there's a high there's a high possibility that you are going to feel trapped if you get pregnant um yeah out of wedlock like straight up are you going to have the financial means or, or even if you're even let's say that you can feed yourself and feed another child do you feel financially secure um, what 15 year old, unless they're a trust fund baby feels financially secure, you know, um, do you have a family network that is in close proximity to you, especially if you have zero to X amount of dollars in the bank account, or even if you have a bank account that's going to support you through this process, do you have a, some sort of faith community or some sort of like, just, let's just say a community in general, that's going to be there helping you with groceries, helping you with diapers, helping you make it to, let's say you don't have a car. Heck, you may not even be able to drive yet. How are you getting to doctor's appointments? Do you have health insurance? If you don't, the thought of a, between $6,000 and $120,000 in hospital bills in association with something like this is, is something you can't even fathom. <clears throat> and so some sort of like, there has to be common ground when it comes to setting up, regardless if it's the government or not, there should be some sort of financial support assistance nationwide mm-hmm. to help out in this regard. So I definitely consider myself pro-life. Um, I would prefer that zero abortions happened, but I'm also not in favor of overturning Roe versus Wade simply because there are a myriad of options or reasons why people get abortions. And 
it's not always cut and dry. I think there are probably, my assumption is that there are more abortions since Roe v. Wade simply because they're more accessible and it's considered more of an acceptable option. But I don't think it's been overturned because it's part of this whole movement of equality and, you know, one person not deciding what another person can do with their body. Now, of course, I don't think it would majorly cut down on abortions if it were overturned just because, you know, people would still, I think it would just be done illegally and possibly a little less safe. But people don't always obey the law. I mean, that's just how it goes. Um, so I don't think that is a, I don't think that is the solution for cutting down on the number of abortions that take place. Now, as far as this whole movement of deciding, you know, a woman getting to decide what to do with her body, of course, the gray area in that is when is she deciding what to do with her own body and when is she deciding the future of another human life? And of course, you know, people disagree on when exactly that should be. You know, baby's heart starts beating at five weeks, they start moving around and they have arms and, you know, at like 10 or 11 weeks. And so I, I personally don't think abortion should take place after the first trimester. You know, preferably it would be a lot sooner than that, um, much smaller window. But I know that there are, um, that's, a, that's a big gray area as far as when people consider a life to be a life. I don't know if this was supposed to be an opinion question, but my first response was to go and find the actual answer. And the actual answer is it's a lot less common since Roe versus Wade, since the 80s. Why do I think that's the case? Um, I think that's the case because birth control is a lot, a lot more effective. It's more accessible to women. I think more women use it. And I think that's preventing a lot of pregnancies that probably happened before Roe versus Wade. I think just uh, technology has really improved. Um, I think that has something to do with it, for sure, but just women's health care and education and technology. Why, why hasn't Roe versus Wade been overturned? I think it has not been overturned because it truly is, would be unconstitutional for the government to take away the rights of choice for um, a woman. That's half of the population in this country. We're protected under the Constitution, and I don't think it is the government's right uh, to take that away. And I think the Supreme Court knows that based off of just the Constitution. What would overturning Roe versus Wade do? I think it would, well, one, it would take away the rights of women to have that choice. Um, I don't think it would really decrease any amount of abortions. I think that abortions are still going to happen. Most of them would not be safe then. Um, I think the women who are affluent and wealthy will find ways to safely get an abortion if they want to get an abortion. And the women who are not will try to do it a way that is unsafe. And I think a lot more women could die because of that. And so I think that would have a really bad effect on women in general if Roe versus Wade was overturned. Do you consider yourself pro-life or pro-choice? I consider myself pro-choice. I think the decision to get an abortion is never black and white. I think it's a very, very difficult decision. 
you know, and there's so many different situations that that could happen. I don't think that there is a right choice in that matter. Um, I think any woman who's gotten an abortion has not forgotten that. They made a really hard decision. They probably think about it all the time. And I don't think that the government or anybody, honestly, not even the government, but anybody should have any say in that decision besides that woman. Would you prefer that abortions happen more or less often? I think my answer to that is that I wish that you would never have to have that choice. I really wish that um, birth control was so non-penetrable, <laughs> non-penetrable. Like it's, it's so certain that that would, you only could get pregnant when you wanted to get pregnant. Um, I don't know if I, I, I want to say less option, less often or more often, you know, it's also based off of what you truly believe, I guess, of when is a, when is a baby, a baby, not a, uh, a fetus. That's it. That's the word. When is the fetus an actual baby when they could survive out of the womb? Oh man. But no, I think my answer to that question is, um, I wish contraceptives were so, well done that you didn't have to make that decision ever. So I will say I, I I will I will say that Megan and I going through the adoption process. I w- I will say that the majority of the the birth moms who go through the adoption process are on here in Oklahoma. It's it's called Sooner Care, which is essentially the government. Uh, is it Medicare? Is that the Medicaid? Thank you. Um, you know, they, they are on, on sooner care. And so, you know, in, in the case of, of Crosby for us, sooner care, um, did actually cover, um, pretty much everything. It, it, I know it covered the hospital and I'm a, I'm pretty sure that it covered the uh, doctor's visits and stuff like that. So I I do know that there are, you know, I can't speak for every state. Obviously I've only lived in two, uh, but the, the, you know, here there is access to sooner care and it seems to be pretty readily available. Yeah. Which, which that's is, great. So, which so, is great. Is that what they call Medicaid there or is it, is it state insurance? Cause I know, I know from living there with being on SSI that there was a, an extra amount that you got from Oklahoma. If you were on national safety, yeah. like national income from disability. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't know, that's, that's fine. We can look it up and address but, it at yeah, a later yeah. point. I mean, that, that kind of thing is, is great. Uh, uh, that's the kind of thing that, that um, I'm talking about as, as a very helpful thing is that it's Oklahoma, um, it's Oklahoma so Medicaid. We, okay. So we, we relegate uh, a lot of this fight to arguing with people about aspects of it that, that you're not going to change somebody's mind on. You're not going to change somebody's mind on when, uh, a life is a life. You're not going to change somebody's mind on um, should Roe v. Wade be passed or like still be a thing or not. Like those things that people are, are have their heels dug in on every side. Um, but why do we need to change their mind on those things? Instead, um, 
when we when we just look at those things, we we zoom out and just look at the national level. So all we care about is who's the president and who's going to be able to not only be in the White House, but also decide who's in the Supreme Court, where those things don't necessarily have a big influence on the whole thing. Uh, but instead, on the state and local level, there's so much that can be done that has been shown to really help. And so whether you think that women need a choice or whether you think that uh, pregnancies should always go full term, either way, this is something that we should all be able to get behind. Um, crisis pregnancy centers have struggled with funding and struggled with v being able to get volunteers. That shouldn't be a thing when all of us agree that we want this to be something where we both support women and try to help babies go full term. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's the same response. And so, um, voting for people who are going to pass, um, laws like state level laws that, um, can be beneficial, uh, states that are going to, um, help with things like uh, insurance and healthcare. That's a huge aspect because of how many low income people just, it's not a viable thing for them unless we can have programs that support them. Mm -hmm. uh, like helping support structures, adoption agencies, being able to figure out ways and actually do some research and find out how to help ad adoption be um, a financially viable thing in your state that sort of thing, state level stuff, city level stuff, figuring out um, who needs help in your neighborhoods and actually trying to help be a support system for them. Yeah, I guarantee single moms. I mean, yeah, I guarantee this, that will cut the abortion rate faster than who you vote for. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not going to argue against that. I mean, the thing the thing that that really frustrates me, though, is and this, I mean, it seems like a fact to me is that like we have these, these support systems for moms while they're pregnant and get them, let's say, let's take the Oklahoma example. So we're going to financially help you, um, get to full term and then have the baby. And then you put the baby up for adoption. What happens to that mom? Like that, I feel like that conversation isn't coming to the front of of, of pro life, and it, I want it to. Like, I I want us to to support a a woman or girl through the process, and and then let them know <laughs> from financial backing, from emotional support, from mental health counseling that this can be a path forward. Like if you have, let's say you don't even want to put the baby up for adoption. We will support you from a, whatever, from a government or non-government organization. Like the, under, the, the reality is not there that these women feel, um, for the most part, if they're considering abortion, like, I think the statistics, and we can definitely put this up, but I mean, it's close to three out of four are saying that it's not it's it's not a convenience thing. It's a I do not think this is financially viable. Mm -hmm. I do not think that I can support this child and go to work and make a living wage. 
And like that is something that structurally should be changed in this country. And I think that both sides could get behind that. Yeah. Like that that is the least of these, right? And I feel like sometimes in the churches it feels like well, that's the church's responsibility. Well, we're not answering that responsibility. Right. We're spending money on political ads. We're spending money on on, on presidential candidates and uh, and picketing planet yeah Planned Parenthood. Right. And what I'm, is that doing? True. And we can it's you know we can point the finger towards the side that's trying to picket Planned Parenthood and how there's uh, often in you know the republican side there's people saying we're going to overturn roe v wade but an equal amount you have people voting democrat to try to save a woman's right to choose but once again are also not Mm -hmm. leaning into these support structures either and so we like especially when you look at it statistically so look how often the democratic side has won the popular vote. That means the majority of Americans who voted at least are on the democratic side. So I would say there's more of a responsibility on the majority in that case to actually do something. I mean, what was it? 75 million people voted for Joe Biden. It's like 78 part of his platform. Oh, is it? So part, even if it was, you know, 60 million, that's so many people that if they actually made an effort to support women in this country, support health care, support um, all of these, these different things, sex education, right, to make it to where it's an equal choice to keep a child or go full term with a child as it is to abort a child. And I think it's so so it's not on one side or the other. It is on all of us, whatever your stance is, all of us need to do something other than vote for a president. If we are actually going to claim that this is something that matters because there are people right now, I mean, right now the statistic it's, it's the lowest it's been in, you know, 50 years, but it's still at, uh, the ratio of 184 out of a thousand pregnancies. In an abortion. And that number is way too high. It's way too high. No matter no matter what your, your thoughts are on yeah. legality or whatever, that's too many. That's that's a large percentage. I mean, you know, it's more than eighteen percent that don't feel like they can do it. That's a failure on all of us. Yep. That is a failure on people who who want people to feel like they have a choice because there's there's a lot of people who don't feel like they have a choice and so the the people who do feel like they have an abortion as a choice there's a lot of them that are picking to have an abortion that's on all of us we need to, to figure out how to support people better and yes, it is getting a lot better because in the 80s, it was between 346 to 364 per 1,000. 1, That's insane, <laughs> but it's dropped so much, but there's more that we need to be able to do because we need to actually make it feel like uh, we're supporting people in this country. And honestly, a big part of that is stop with 
all of the binary partisan hating each other. I mean, how do you, how are we going to make people feel like they're supported? If you voted blue, how are you making people who voted red feel like they're supported so they have a choice? If you voted red, how are you supporting people who are blue to where they feel like they can go through with a pregnancy? I mean, we, we need to look at how we can actually support each other and not just see party lines, but actually see people who, who want help. I mean, as, as I quoted from it, people aren't happy with having to have an abortion. It is hard on people. So it feels like if we could figure out how to do more of a, a structure to where people felt safe and cared for, maybe we could lower that number a lot. Is abortion more or less common since Roe v. Wade? My assumption is that it's more common because it's more accessible. Now, I've always heard that abortion is less common among Democratic presidential administrations. I don't know how political y'all want to get. But the idea being that with a better social safety net, people are less likely to have abortions because they feel like that their baby is going to have chances in the world and be taken care of. But I assume that in general, it'd be more common. Now, I could be wrong. Please correct me. So. Why hasn't it been overturned? Well, my cynical mind is that it's easier for it to be a political football than it is to be something that we actually have a serious conversation about. Then um, it hasn't been overturned because, well, it seems like that right to privacy is, you know, it, you know, of course that's enshrined in the Constitution, and well, they haven't had a good enough case to take away that that right, I guess. Uh, what would overturning Roe v. Wade do? I mean, it would make it a state issue. I mean, certain states would still allow for abortions, but it would definitely shut it down in some states, in a lot of states. And, you know, I just think that you'd have you know, poverty rates probably increase. Um, rich people will be able to get abortions. They'll go where they, where they can get them. But lower-income people who want to make that choice won't have that kind of access. And I just think they have parents forced to give birth to, you know, humans with incredible, like, disabilities or something that they could live like a week or something like that and then die. It's just the insane pain that that would cause uh, is nuts. And then I think that just normal babies would be born, but be born to low-income people and just have kind of a perpetuating cycle of poverty sometimes. You know, that stinks, but I think that's, that's, the, that's that would be the case. Uh, do I consider myself pro-life or pro-choice? I consider myself pro-choice. Uh, I mean, in a sense, I am pro-life. Of course, I'm pro-life and uh, don't really want anybody to feel like they need to, to have an abortion. But, um, don't know anybody who takes joy in it but um you know i think that there are times in which parents really need that choice i mean there are your last question is would you prefer that abortions happen more often or less often i guess i'd say i'd prefer they happen less often uh, and i actually think 
man, I, I think that a lot of people who get abortions would, would want them to happen less often because I don't think they take uh, a lot of joy in that. Um, and I think the best way to do that is to provide a great social safety net, to provide a comprehensive sex education, and make sure we, you know, are building a society where we really care about all human beings and not just some of them. Although abortions occurred in the United States before Roe versus Wade, I don't believe there is an accurate record. I do believe that making abortion legal seemed to make it more acceptable in our society, considering there have been 57 million plus abortions performed since the ruling. I am aware that the rate of abortions has gone down in the last couple of years, thank God. Why hasn't it been overturned? Well, I think it hasn't been overturned because there is so much political pressure from the liberal standpoint stating that a woman's womb cannot be governed because it's her body. Our society has come to the point that it's all about what we individually want to do, no matter our own actions, no matter the consequences. So many people don't want to be accountable for their actions, let alone the laws of the God of the universe. So until enough people agree that a fetus is a human with the right to live, it probably won't be overturned. What would overturning Roe versus Wade do? Well, that's an interesting question. We have laws to protect um, United States citizens outside the womb that are sometimes followed, sometimes not. Would overturning Roe versus Wade ensure that all babies had a chance to live outside the womb? Probably not. And some people may say that that would lead back to a time of unsafe procedures. Well, I believe that's just a consequence then. But if the law was overturned, Perhaps most would consider the life of the child because then the mother would be breaking a law if she killed her unborn child. I'm 100% pro-life because I believe that God knows and loves us all from before our conception even, according to the Bible. I believe it is his desire for us to live our lives loving others and serving him. We have a purpose, all of us. Would you prefer that abortions happen more often or less often? <laughs> I would prefer that abortions never happen. Life begins at conception, so abortion is murder. Just because someone wants the right to have abortion doesn't negate the fact that it's murder. And I, and I, I can't speak for all of the adoption agencies here in Oklahoma, you know. But the, one of the reasons, David, to answer your question, one of the, one of the reasons why we chose Deaconess as the agency that we wanted to go through was because of their treatment of the birth moms and not only before, and yes, they do a lot with them before, right? There's, there's, they'll pick them up and take them to doctor's appointments. They'll, they'll be there, give them uh, burner phones if they need it. They'll, they'll do all kinds of things to try to get them, um, supported access yeah access and yeah. support but the reason the biggest thing that we noticed was was the after uh was the because i think similar to how i feel like people view mo moms who decide to get an uh, abortion it's harsher with them but i know that even myself when when i originally thought of a birth mom who was 
placing a child for adoption. And if you notice, I said placing. A lot of people throw in the phrase giving up a child, and that's not that's not it. Um, we all think of, we've seen too many Lifetime movies, and we think that these moms just don't care and that they just didn't they just decided i i want to live my lifestyle but i don't want to have an ad- abortion so you know i'm going to do this but what i'll say is with deaconess the thing that really got us was after they go through the adoption process they have a support group with all those birth moms they go on retreats with those birth moms they become a community of people um, that the adoption agency actually uh, stays in contact with. Uh, it's a it's a it's a support group for them, and they all they all become, you know, a little community themselves. So I can't speak to uh, every agency, but that's how Deaconess handle um, you know is there for birth moms after uh, an adoption happens. And I heard this recently. Uh, it was actually on the topic of of racism after George Floyd. And I, I was watching an, an episode of uh, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man with uh, Emmanuel Acho. And he was talking to Carl Lentz who I know recently has just gone through a pretty big controversy in his personal life, but they were asking him about um, racism in the church and why isn't it that people don't do anything about it, you know? And I thought it was interesting what he said, and I think it kind of relates to this, is basically he said when... When the rubber hits the road and suddenly you're, you, you have to have skin in the game, then people back off because it's not easy anymore and um, it's not easy to talk about. And I think with what you guys were maybe talking about, I think it's similar to that. Voting for a president's easy. Uh, you may not know it on this election since we're still arguing about the election, but uh, it's easy to vote for a president and to say, hey, I did my part. I voted for somebody with an R in front of their name, and now I now I can prove. See, guys, I, I'm pro-life. I, I voted for a, a guy with an R in front of his name. But when the rubber hits the road and you start really starting to think about coming up with an answer to the question, why aren't more people doing something for these moms? Why aren't we looking at the statistics? Why aren't we finding out what what their status is, what the situation is with them and 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 why they feel so desperate? You know, why do they have uh, any kind of insurance? Do they not? Why don't they? How can we get that to them? Uh, do they have a community support center? Uh, maybe it's planned or yeah, or that, and they've, they've proven, you know, the, the areas that, that teach safe sex have lower teen pregnancy, have lower, you know, it's just lower STDs, all that. So 
you know, why aren't we do that's where I think it comes down to, because I think the conversation has been for a long time. Why aren't people doing this? Why isn't the church doing it? Who's going to do this? How can we do this? And I, I think a lot of times we don't, um, no one ever seems to <laughs> step up and say, well, then I'll look into it, you know, or I'll do it or I'll, I'll figure out something or I'll find a community that'll do it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, you look at it this way, like, all right. So if, if I go to church every Sunday, I have my church community, I'm getting fed spiritually, I'm tithing, I'm giving my money um, to my church, I'm paying my taxes, um, I'm voting when I'm supposed to vote, then on on a certain side of the aisle, let's take, I mean, let's take my example for me personally. So I, I'm, I'm on the left, I'm hoping for, I'm hoping that like there's going to be some sort of federal or state um, system or safety net that's going to help the least of these, right? I also, in addition to that, want our, our faith communities, both Christian and other, to be that support system to work with the women through the process all the way through so that they see that, like, I do have options. Like I think that I think that's really when you it's it's answering the why. It's answering the why. Why do I want to get an abortion? Well, you probably don't want to get an abortion. Like I feel like that language in itself is problematic. Well, why do I think I need to end this abortion? Um and we should be as a society, as a faith community, if we believe that like life starts in the womb <laughs> we need to be providing that support yeah let's take care of the womb as as a team yeah like but legitimately yeah right i mean i agree yeah like i said i, I feel you, like if if you want there to be a choice you yeah. need to care about more of a choice than just the abortion side yeah and if you um, think that they should go full term care about the mother as well absolutely <laughs> so so both sides like we we just need to actually care about the people involved because i think that's that's an aspect that we forget in this is mm -hmm. that it's people like this isn't just a subject this is people right it's not an issue and so how, how do we care about people which I feel like we've we've kind of lost sight of how to actually see people and care about people, yeah. and that's that's what this really comes down to. Um, it's not making an issue illegal; it's affecting people. Like you you want to make it illegal so they they stop doing that. Okay, well let's let's go to the people instead of the legislation alone. Like let's let's work on that. And in addition to that, like it should it should be pa it sh we should look past this. We want to make it illegal, and we should go to the point of we want to make it inconceivable. 
like inconceivable that you would think that this would be the best option for you. And right now, the fact is that there is, what's the percentage you said? What, 15, 17%? That are out having of abortion thousand? right now? It's, yeah. It's just over 18%. That means that there is 18% of the population that gets pregnant that thinks that it is inconceivable to have that birth. And I think the church and Christians need to answer that question. Why is it inconceivable? And what do we do to make that? Is it is it making abortion illegal? Abortions are going to obviously continue to happen, even if it's illegal in the United States, or even if it gets relegated to states to manage it. It's going to happen. James already said it. Like Even uh, folks that don't have any money could potentially get across state lines or whatever. Now you can to make just that order happen. stuff online. You better believe the wealthiest could care less whether or not it's it's legal. Period. I mean, yeah, you can go wherever it's yeah. legal. Mm-hmm. Sure, I'll go. I'll go to freaking whatever Washington D.C. or California, and we'll take care of it. It's <clears throat> we need to answer that question. That's the question that needs to be answered. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because as somebody who is pro-choice and pro-life, <laughs> I that's I I would never ever want an abortion to happen to anyone. Period. Right. I just, I just don't. Yeah. And it is a failure. So. Yeah. And I like the way you said that, James. I, I, I like, it's, it's a, it's a people thing. It's, it's not a policy. It's not an issue. It's not a talking point on a campaign trail. You're talking about real viable people who are, who are going through that. And I think that's important yeah. to think about because I think in all the topics that we're going to be talking about, in this little series, I think that that's an important thing to always have in the back of your mind. What we're talking about is more than a, a, a policy or, or whatever that particular topic is, whether it's right, well, whatever that might be. So, yeah, it's a like lot easier to, to generalize when you dehumanize a subject. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yep. exactly. And who gets more dehumanized in this culture than a woman who puts a baby up for adoption or has an abortion? Yeah. Um. <coughs> so anybody know a joke? Yeah, we need a joke here. One of the, I do think that one of the topics that we're going to have to to tackle um, very soon is is what what do we mean when we say comprehensive sex education i think that that is is something in christian circles that um still seems very taboo and um i'd love for us to kind of dive into some of the research on that on some of the states that have taken the initiative yeah we have somebody that we can uh i'll i'll text somebody when we're done to see if she'd be up for Um, talking to us about that. Cool. I think first we need to 
stop addressing abortion as this standalone entity. Um, it has nothing to do with more versus less. What we refuse to do as a society is to look inward and address all these other factors that create this environment. What do we need to do to help with any person having to be in that position in the first place? Um, access to an affordable birth control, uh, better income standards, affordable health care, an actual sex education being a basic principle in all public and private schools, funding into education, funding into foster care systems and CPS, funding into treatment facilities, improved mental health care, addressing toxic masculinity and domestic violence. Uh, doctors who offer alternatives when a woman states that she does not want to have a child. It's not about numbers. It's about the groundwork that has been band-aided time after time, leaving us with almost no resources and very few alternatives. I think asking why Roe v. Wade hasn't been overturned is essentially like asking why the Supreme Court's ruling on same-sex marriage in 2015 hasn't been overturned. I mean, one, because this was right. Um, but also it's a law and the Supreme Court doesn't statistically overturn legal precedents. The majority doesn't want it reversed because you can't restrict personal liberties. Um, public opinion in the eyes of bodily autonomy is actually pretty even across the board with the exception of the evangelical right, which down in the Bible Belt, it seems like the majority, but if you're looking at the nation as a whole, that's just not how life works. You can't use the law to create a society that parallels your personal spiritual reality. Um, the court of public opinion values bodily autonomy over religious dogma, and they've shown this time after time. Um, at the end of the day, that's exactly why Roe v. Wade hasn't been overturned. Um, I hope that it's never overturned. I'd be surprised if it ever got overturned. It's a long-established legal precedent, and it's shown that all it does is provide access to certain facilities that women need. It protects that choice. Um, it's done nothing but create a safe environment. Whether or not you agree with it, it just creates a safe environment so that we don't come out with these mass casualties of living adult women. To overturn Roe v. Wade would be a waking nightmare for a lot of reasons. Um, first, the authorities automatically handed down to the states. So depending on where you are, that could be bad or that could be really bad. Um, in some states, trigger laws would go into effect and those totally restrict abortion. Um, that does not mean that people won't access them or try to. But that begs the next question. Where does the state's authority end? So at that point, can a miscarriage land you in court or can an abortion land you in jail? Would we then be adding to the growing systemic failure that our society pays for? Is this the next wave of mass incarceration? The statistics already tell us that the hardest hit will once again be areas of poverty and rural areas. These places are already bearing the weight of our socioeconomic brunt. And the studies also already show that if Roe v. Wade were overturned, people would be forced to travel upwards of 200 miles to have access, crossing state lines. And if they can't afford that travel, then we are right back in time with abortions still happening like they've always happened. But now you have the added despair of increased deaths and secondary infections, and this is all due to lack of access. We are in that moment right back to dirty rooms, back alleys, and dying women. And the repercussions wouldn't stop there. That sets the next terrifying ball in motion. It's the butterfly effect. What's next? Loving versus Virginia? Brown versus the Board of Education? Overturning Roe versus Wade creates nothing but a grave consequence. I am pro-choice, 
and I do not think that pro-choice is synonymous with pro-abortion. Um, that term shouldn't exist, and it has no value. No one really lines up to get one. No one's celebrating this experience. As someone who's chosen abortion with no regrets, I can fully say that it's a very private and personal experience, and it was made to be one of the worst experiences of my life. And that's because of a society that stands on the sidelines, placing blame and judgment on my heavily emotional and well-thought-out decision. My body's my choice, and I made a choice for myself, for what was best for my future. And I would never bring a human into this world that I could not take full accountability for, one that I wasn't ready for, and one that I didn't ask for. Because bringing a human into the world by no choice of their own is something that should never be taken lightly. I'm pro-life for the thousands of children in foster care who weren't given a choice since day one, who fall through the cracks every single day. I'm pro-life for the elderly man that can't pay his rent and can't find a job because he suffers from Alzheimer's. I'm pro-life for the woman who has diabetes and can't afford her insulin. I'm pro-life for the woman who cannot carry to full term because it might end her own. I'm pro-life for the living. Well, hopefully you're still with us. Um, hopefully this was a conversation that you uh, enjoyed hearing. That may not be the right word. But we do want to make sure that we take some time to, if you are listening to us, to thank you. Uh, we do not take that for granted. This isn't a money-making venture for us. This is a act of love or a labor of love, I guess. And we just, we, it's just an honor that you chose to take uh, some time out of your day to listen to us. So there are many ways you can get a hold of us. Uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we do have individual pages, at least for now, uh, unless all of us have watched The Social Dilemma. And uh, uh, we do have a website, everythingisok.net. There you can get uh, every episode that we've done. There's a few blog posts on there. Uh, we do have Patreon. If you are willing to support us even more for as little as a dollar, you can get extra content, uh, including calls that are between James and his brother, which are always fun to listen to and are always thought-provoking. So... Guys, you got anything else? And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, we love to hear from y'all. It helps other people uh, find us. <clears throat> and, yeah. Yeah, and if if you're somebody who uh, has found out they're pregnant and um, you feel like you don't have a choice, you feel like there's no hope in the situation... Um, I don't know how much we can do, but we can listen. We can try to connect you to whatever we can find. Um, feel free to reach out because I don't, I don't want anybody to ever feel hopeless in something, whether it's this subject or any other. Um, if you just need somebody to listen, please feel free to reach out. All right. With that, we will go ahead and end this episode. I'm Brad Stair. I'm David Meggs. I'm James Eisenhower. Everything is okay, people.
deserve what 